Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. Welcome everybody. Glad to see new faces and familiar faces and all your faces. Um, I have a little video I want to show you guys um, relating to what we'll be speaking about today, or what we'll be discussing today. Uh, anybody remember what we talked about last week? Don't be caught off guard because I ask this every week. Hearing from God. Hearing from God. Specifically questions from God. Yeah, questions from God. Who we, who's... Uh, question did we look at who God was directing to? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. God was was asking them, where are you? And we're looking at kind of, you know, God knew the answer to that and all the questions that he he would ask after that of, hey, where are you? Who told you that? um, Or or, or why did you you eat of the tree? And, you know, who told you to do that? And God knew the answer to all those questions, but he asked them to, to give them a chance to have that relationship, to ask, hey, where are you? He knew that they were hiding behind the bush, but he was asking, like, where are, where's your heart? Where are you at? Why are you doing what you're doing? And so we, we kind of looked at that last week, and um, we, we really hit on also Jeremiah 29, 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you might find me, right? No, you will. You will. There we go. You will find me. That was a promise. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And and that just goes along with God has revealed himself. He has chosen to reveal himself. He's not hidden. If he was hidden, we would not have the power to find him because we are limited in our power and God has unlimited power. We would not be able to find an unlimited God with unlimited resources unless he chose to reveal himself to us. And all we have to do is look for him wholeheartedly. And he promises that we'll find him. So, we're going to go from, where are you? He was asking Adam and Eve, where are you currently? Where are you right now? Where is your heart? Where are, what are you doing? To, we're going to look at Job. Where were you? That was the question he asked Job. Where were you when I, for, when I formed the earth? Um, very similar question. Where are you? Where were you? Just a matter of tense. But there's that along with a lot of questions God asks Job. Um, so last week we spent the whole time in about 13 verses, Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Today we're going to be looking at Job kind of as a whole. So hope you all brought your pajamas, sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. We're going to be here for about 19 hours to mm-hmm. go through all yeah, Job. Rachel got the memo. She is ready in her pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so this this uh, 10 minute video is going to give a pretty extensive um, recap of Job and it's going to kind of really just hit kind of all the marks um, so that we don't have to read all 40 some chapters real quick you know um, if you can't see the TV feel free to get in a spot to where you can it's 10 minutes long um, it really really does a great job at summarizing it and not just summarizing it but puts it in a narrative that gives a little more I guess perspective you can kind of see some emotion um, things of that sort so I'm going to turn the big light off just a quick question. Can I assume that you know no tears are going to happen with this video? Oh uh, well, you know, it's it's 
I've, I've said that before and we need a tissue, so I'm just going to leave. I mean, it's Job. You, you know the story of Job. You may or may not need tissue, but... <laughs> okay. If you got issues, use the tissues. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Is God good, even when everything goes bad? Is God worth trusting when you lose everything you have? That is the question at stake in the book of Job. At the beginning of the book, God calls together a heavenly council. Among those present with God and the angels is the accuser, Satan, known as the devil. God asks the accuser if he had considered bringing an accusation against a man who was blameless, a man named Job. For there was no one else on earth like him, a man above reproach who feared God and turned away from sin. And so immediately the accuser begins to accuse. Job only worships you because you've blessed him and kept him from abuse, but take everything away from him, make him lose, and he will undoubtedly curse you. So, in order to show that he is still good when everything goes bad, that God is still worth trusting when you lose everything you have, God allowed Job's fields to be ransacked, his livestock to be killed. God allowed Job's children to die and his body to fall ill. Even his own wife seemed to be a test of his will, for she told him to curse God and die for all the pain he had instilled. And as Job suffered, heaven listened to see if Job's suffering would result in faith or denial. It's almost as if there was a heavenly trial and Job was brought as a witness after losing everything he had. And the charges were brought by the accuser. Is God good when everything goes bad? Is God worth trusting when you lose everything you have? Surely God can't be good if he removed his protective covering. Surely God can't be trusted if he allows so much pain and suffering. What would Job say? How would he respond after he lost everything to disaster, death, and the sword? Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, the heavenly debate was laid to rest, for Job lost everything and still called God blessed. And yet, Job's suffering wasn't solved. Unlike the accuser's accusations, his pain and questions were not laid to rest. So to help answer these questions and to ease Job's pain, we are introduced to three guests, Job's friends, who come to aid when they hear that he is bereft. And after seven days of sitting with their friends silently, Job finally speaks, and it sounds to his friends like blasphemy. He wishes God would have simply never let him been born than for him to have to go through all this suffering. Why would God allow him to live if he knew his life would come with such agony? The friends then respond to what they believe is Job's heretical theology. 
And it is these conversations that make up the majority of Job's story. As it was with the trial and the heavenly council, this theological debate between Job and his friends also sounds like a court case where Job accuses and his friends defend. I mean, you can picture it. Job holds a trial where he is the plaintiff and his pain is the evidence. His friends join the court as God's attorneys to take up the defensive. The only problem is there is no defendant. God is not present in the courtroom. Nevertheless, throughout the trial, there are three cycles of statements and rebuttals between Job and his friends, each of which repeat the same basic argument, but get more pointed and belligerent. The friends maintain that Job must have sinned to have fallen under such pain. They believed God uses suffering to punish evil. In fact, they thought he always makes the universe function that way. The friends believed that Job is suffering because he sinned and needs to repent. The only way to explain God's suffering and their relationship is to say that Job did evil and his pain was God's punishment. But Job's rebuttal remains consistent. Job says the friends are looking at the argument from the wrong side of it. The problem is not that God punishes the wicked, but that Job is suffering even though he knows that he is innocent. Why do bad things happen to good people? Job wants God to answer this question. He wants God to take the stand, to be cross-examined, to tell Job why this happened. But the position of the defense remains abandoned. And so, as Job realizes that his friends don't understand and that God won't take the stand, he starts to beg for a mediator, a representative, someone who could represent him, not in this earthly court, but in the heavens. But that is not what happens. Instead, God puts Job on the bench. God asks Job to give a defense and begins asking him the questions. Answer me, where were you when I taught space and time to land? Tell me, how did I stitch together the wind? Answer me if you can. Where were you when I populated every inch of the astronomic? Tell me, how did I construct molecules down to the subatomic? Answer me, reveal to me your knowledge. Unlike Job and his friends, God's questions were not moral or philosophic. They were huge and cosmic. They were not meant to answer Job's questions, but to show by comparison that Job did not even possess the logic necessary to understand the answer he sought, even if he got it. The point of all of this is not to answer Job's questions, but to show that in suffering, God is doing something greater than anyone can comprehend or even begin to know. And so, the only way for Job to respond was to repent, to take back his argument, and accept that trusting God through suffering was enough for him. And yet, God is gracious. So he not only restored what was taken from Job, but even doubled it. While Job's story has helped many, 
the relationship between God and suffering is still difficult and many find it troubling. How can God be good when things are so bad? How can he be trusted when we lose everything we have? For everyone since Job has wrestled with pain and many find themselves bringing their claim before God's court. And while we would be wise to take Job's advice and realize that the answers we seek are far beyond the reach of our minds, God is gracious. So Job was not the last story about suffering he would write. Instead, God would take the relationship between himself and suffering to the most unexpected heights. He would come to us in the person of Jesus, and God the Son would suffer. He would die. You see, God understands why so many accuse him for their pain. He has compassion on those who hurt and say he is to blame. And we know this because of the cross of Jesus. For he did take the blame for the wrongs that were not his. He did suffer the penalty that was reserved for our sins. He was made guilty, though he was truly innocent. He took our griefs and with our sorrows became a participant. He is the representative for which Job pleaded. He is the answer to suffering that we all have needed. For in the cross of Jesus, we see God's goodness at the very place where everything seems to be going bad. In the cross of Jesus, we learn that we can trust God when we lose everything, because for us, he lost everything that he had. think very powerful there's so much detail in joe there's a lot there's so much i absolutely love this book it's i figured without, without doing a full-on job study which would be several weeks or several months long i figured that video i feel like it did a pretty good justice as far as a, a pretty overall summary and explanation of what's going on So we had Job, who he was a very prosperous, rich man in many different ways. He was a respected leader. He had tons of sheep, cattle, um, seven sons, three daughters. He had he had a lot. And then God said, you know, to Satan, because Satan was accusing, saying, "Oh, Job is only worshiping you because you've protected him, because you've given him these things. He's not truly worshiping you." It's just because he has all these things, and and God said, that's not the case, but all right, let's try it out. So, Job was essentially their experiment, saying, let's put him to the test. Let's see if he truly loves me. And God allowed Satan to, I think that's something important to see, God allowed Satan to do it. Satan didn't have the power to do it without having that authority from God put him to the test, said you can do anything you want to him, but don't touch him. 
And so all his kids died, all his sheep, all his cattle, all his livestock died, his fields burned up, everything gone. And then Satan said, ha, that's nothing. I bet if I take away his health, then he'll really curse your, curse your face. So God said, go ahead. And so then he had all those boils and uncontrollably itching, just, he would, it says in Job, he would use like broken pieces of pottery to scratch his, his flesh so that it could try to satisfy the itch, essentially. And that's all the first two chapters. All <laughs> oh, that's very short. All <laughs> oh, that's very short into Job. Um, the the big chunk of Job is all back and forth conversation between Job and his friends and going back and forth. And everyone is saying the same thing. Job, what did you do? You must have done something. You must have sinned. You must have done something really bad because God punishes because of bad behavior. So if, there must have been some great sin for this great punishment. And Job said, I haven't done anything and that line that Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? It's such a powerful statement. Right? We, we're, as we're singing it during worship, it's very upbeat. It's fun. You know, it's great to sing along. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and take away. Right? But my heart will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's easy to say when you didn't lose it all. But what about when you lose it all? Your entire, all your children, all your everything. You know, like in today's time, yeah, we don't have sheep and cattle, but you lost your job, you lost your house, you lost all your kids, you lost all your family. You know, his wife was the only one who, who wasn't taken away from him, but everything. Just imagine everything of everything of everything. All you have left is just, you know, he had his, his spouse. That was it. Nothing else. And he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And he could still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Not curse you, but blessed be the name of the Lord. But then throughout all of this, Job starts to kind of question. And at first he's like, no, 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 God didn't, God's not punishing me. But then throughout, you'll see, Job then starts to question like, God, why'd you let this happen to me? God, curse the day I was born. Like, curse, curse the day I came out of my mother's womb. Curse that day. Let that be a terrible day. And... I, I, it would have been better that I was never born than for me to go through all this suffering. And you know, I don't think that's even being dramatic. He is in like deep agony. And then the tables turn. And he's questioning God. God, why did you do this? God, why did you let this happen? God, are you even good? God, what happened to justice? God, why? And, and God's like, where were you the day that I created everything? You tell me, how, how, do, how does lightning strike? You tell me how the ocean knows to stop right here. And Job can't answer anything. And, he's, and his only response is to repent and say, God, I spoke of things I don't understand. So there's a big correlation there between Adam, where are you? And Job, where were you when this happened? Where were you when I set the foundations of the earth? Both questions point to an answer of God was there. God knew where he was. God knew where his, his God knew where Adam was when he asked Adam where he was. And God knew he was there. God created everything. He wasn't like, oh yeah, where was I that day when I created? No, he was there. He was the one present. He always was present. He always will be present. 
I would venture to say that we could probably add a few more questions to the list of questions that can't be answered from Job or from us that we might ask today if we were to be in that situation. For example, we might ask, along with Job asking why all these things happening, why all those things happened to him and everyone else around him, we might ask, why didn't things work out the way I thought they would? Why didn't this person get healed from cancer? And why did that person get healed from cancer? Why did God allow this person to die? Why did God allow that person to live? Why can't I find the job that I'm looking for? Why can't I find the person that I'm looking for? What's happening in my family? Why is there suffering? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why is there so much evil in the world? And so what's, what's God's overall response to these things? Where were you? Where were you? He, he, he flips the table on. What does that do for you guys? Makes me stop and think. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How does it humble you? It's humbling because God is saying, like, why do you feel like you're entitled to this information? You know, mm. but what makes you feel like you need to know? Can you trust me? Understand that I'm God. Mm. You know, and so and that if I created all of this, I can also guide you. There's so much here, and this is this is one of my favorite books when I was a kid because it mentions uh, you know the, the water dragon, right, Leviathan. It mentions at one point, and it mentions a dinosaur and the behemoth, and you're like, oh man, this is awesome when you're a little kid. And then you like, if you're a nerd like me, and you just love arguments and debate and like theology, and then the arguments back and forth between Job and his friends. You can get lost in this book for forever. And some of the things that I find remarkable are what, the things that Job says in, in that in his defense is very sound uh, to his friends that are attacking him. In that he says, God has authority over everything. God can move the goalposts on what good is and what evil is. He doesn't, but he can. He, he is the arbiter of truth. He is the arbiter of good and evil. And so I have no ability to contend with anything that God can do. He can do whatever he wants, and so I am being punished because God can do whatever he wants, not because I did anything wrong. Um, and that's, that's, his, that's, what, that's what Job is saying. And then Job's friends are arguing, well, you must have done something wrong because you're being punished accordingly. And then as God <laughs> ends up coming back at Job, when he answers Job, he doesn't, he doesn't contend with anything that he said or did, uh, that he did anything wrong. He's, he is simply bringing up, you have no authority or ability to even question me because I am the arbiter of truth. I am the arbiter of, um, of good and evil, and I, I am in charge. Uh, you have no ability to question me. And it reminds me of the Stephen Curtis Tra Chapman song, uh, The God is God and I am not. I don't know if you know that mm -hmm. one. There's, I was looking at it just a minute ago, um, pulling it up. He says, uh, and the questions without answers come and paralyze the dancer. Line. Uh, so I stand here on the stage afraid to move, afraid to fall, oh, but fall I must, on this truth that my life has been formed from the dust. 
God is God and I am not. I can only see a part of the picture he's painting. God is God and I am man, so I'll never understand it all. For only God is God. And when you look back and you realize that it wasn't the devil that had an audience. First of all, the devil has an audience with God, which is a remarkable <laughs> concept in and of itself that we can get lost in. But not only that, it's that Satan doesn't start the conversation. God starts it. God is talking to Satan, and he says, hey, look at my servant Job. It's not Satan that says, hey, even your servant Job would fall. It's God who brings him up and then allows him. So to answer the question, why do good things happen to bad things, people and bad things happen to good people, is we don't know, and it's not, it's not our job to know, and we can't find out. Um, God is the arbiter of good and evil, and God is the, is, has the only keys to this. So we have to trust God because we have no ability to do anything otherwise. Mm -hmm. There we go. Sorry. I had to, That's good. I had to spit that out real quick. That's There's good, man. So much here. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be super cool if that question was answered. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do evil? Why does evil get to exist if God is good? If that question was answered in here, that would make it a whole lot easier for a lot of people, Christians, non-Christians, to be like, "Oh, that's why." Okay. But if you're not going to accept God without knowing why He does the things that He does. You're not going to accept him just because you know that answer and why he does it versus accepting God because you don't know why he does it. Kind of makes you think about like just, just the whole story of Job in a way. This is a very small correlation. This is not anywhere in the same sense. But of a small kid, a young kid, asking their parents if they can get a toy, right? They're out at the store. Hey, Dad, Mom, can I get this toy? And they say, no. What's the next thing the kid says? Why? Why? Why not? I want it. Right? And, you know, the, the parents might give a reason. You don't need it because I said so. We can't afford it. Whatever the reason might be. You know, the kid could try to argue and be like, but, you know, like, you, you have a job. You know, you have money. I see you have money in your wallet. You have a credit card. You don't even have to have the money to get it for me. Why won't you do this? Why aren't you being a good parent? Why won't you just give me what I want? And then the parent could turn the table in the way God turned the table and be like, child, do you know how much water costs? Do you know how much our electricity bill is? Do you know how much our mortgage is? Do you know how much... I put aside every month for savings. Do you know how much I put every month toward your college tuition one day? Do you know how much gas costs? Do you know how much my, my car payment is? Do you know how much the clothes that are on your back cost every month? Do you know how much food you eat? How much all that costs? Do you know the activities that you enjoy going to? Do you know how much that costs? Do you still want this toy? Or do you want all these provisions and all these, these needs and wants? Right? I'm, I'm giving you these things that you need. And you're asking for this thing that you want. Doesn't even compare in, in the way of Job, but I think it's a, a decent comparison of something that, you know, might be more relatable today than, you know, losing all your cattle and all that. 
Um, but the question of why do bad things happen to good people, to be honest, kind of sucks that we don't have an answer to it. Other than we just have to trust God. <clears throat> and it's not just a matter of, eh, you know, the parents saying, because I said so, and that's why. Just like, I just gave you, you know, just, just because I said so, and that's why. You know, it's a very typical parent answer to say, but for God to say, you don't understand. You know, you might not ever understand why I do the things I do, how I do the things I do them. Does it bring comfort to anybody? To, for God's response? At first, no. <laughs> like, it makes me mad. Like, why can't I know? I want to know. Just tell me. <laughs> but then when you start meditating on it, and you're like, Okay, I surrender. Guess. Um, yeah, one of my favorite parts of um, of Job is like towards the end in uh, chapter forty that God says, "Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers?" And then Job's response after that is, "I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say." So, <laughs> at first he's been like angry and questioning. He didn't, you know, curse God or said anything that um, that the enemy could point out and be like, "Hey, see, I told you." He was gonna say these things or he was gonna act like this. He definitely like was strong enough, you know, spiritually, mentally to not curse God, still be angry and allow his emotions to show. But he didn't curse God. He still knew that he was good and God was by his side. But he just had lots of questions and emotions to go through it. Yeah. So then later it's like that humbling moment. Okay, I think I have let out all of my tantrum. Like mm -hmm. a little kid, you know, goes like, Wah! For a long time, for no reason sometimes. Um, so he's like, alright, God, I am nothing. You're the one that made me, you know the mud and everything <laughs> so I'm gonna shut up now <laughs> yeah. it's it's important though uh, to realize that Job only gets those answers from God because he asks the questions and in the book of Job and in many points of the Bible you see people being brutally honest with God like Job asked to die Elijah asked to die Jonah asked to die. A lot of people asked to die. <laughs> Speaking to God, like, can you kill me, please? And you're like, all right, what is up? Instead of killing them. And we think that we have to just, you know, accept whatever is happening. Even in our hearts, we have all these questions and all these feelings and all these doubts. We think we're going to offend God by telling him how we feel. And ask questions like, I do not understand. I am angry. I, I don't like this. What the heck? Mm -hmm. You know, and actually talking to him and I truly believe that God cannot truly heal you and make you go through things and give you the answers that you're not looking for but you know you're deeply looking for if you're not honest like that so it's it's um for me this book is one of the books that teach me that it's okay to be honest with God he wants you to mm -hmm. when he asks you like where are you where were you it's because he wants not he wants to know because he already knows, but he wants you to know. Like he wants you to hear yourself say, 
where are you in your life? How do you feel? You know, like how how are things for you and what is it that you're struggling with? So you allow him to heal that. But if you don't say that and if you don't pray that, then you might have these things in your heart that are there hiding and they uh, create resentment and they create more doubts and they create these these things that you struggle with. But because you don't recognize them, God cannot touch them. Like how how are you going to be healed of something that you don't even want to say it's there, yeah. you know? So That's there's good. there's nothing wrong with being, God wants you to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. God knows your thoughts already. Yeah. You might as well bring it to him and he might answer you. You just bring it, you know, he might still speak to you even if you don't say it out loud, but God wants the relationship. So to just hold it in and just be questioning God, God, what are you doing? God, I, God, God you're such a bully. Like, God, why are you doing this to me? You know, to just be thinking that you're just going to go downward from there, but to bring it to him, present it to him. God, just be exactly, be brutally honest like Job. God, God, I'd rather die than go through this stuff. And good thing God doesn't answer every prayer that we pray because, yeah, Jonah, you know, like, so, so you know, Job, so many people would have been like, this sucks, God, kill me. And he didn't. He was like, no, let's talk. Right? Jonah was... Was it, uh, no, Elijah too. He was like, God, this sucks. I'd rather die. He's like, take a nap. Wake up. Right, take another nap. Now, here's a snack. <laughs> you ready to talk? Okay. And I think it's important to note that Job is obedient, even though God is not vocal at any point during the story until the very end. Job is still being obedient in all the punishment. He is not, he's not saying, well, fine, if it's going to be this way, it's going to be this way. Like, um, Ecclesiastes later Solomon kind of takes the point of like hey you know don't be do too bad but don't be too good like and then you'll kind of like ride that fine line uh, to your point of being brutally honest like I feel like people have not read the book of Ecclesiastes because there's so much in there that you're like wow that's in the bible from the wisest <laughs> man to ever walk the planet that's pretty wild um, but when you when you like take it in context it, it makes sense um, and Job does not fall for any of that. Job continues to walk in what he knows to be uh, righteousness, mm -hmm. as opposed to falling for the, well, if bad things are going to happen, then why not like, enjoy life a little bit or, or find something? Mm -hmm. uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't fall for any of that nonsense, and he continues to walk in righteousness, which God rewards later, um, but I don't want to get ahead of what you've got. So. Let's turn into Job 2. Let's start at, uh, actually first one, Job 111. Job 111? Job 111. Just one little small thing. Like, I love how Job is so honest and, and stuff, but, and I, I have um, over the years, like reading this and also reading Psalms of how David used to like prayed, like I over time learned how to kind of mimic the way that they are so honest with God because there will be times that I think about, okay, I need to like say these really pretty words for God, you know, do this beautiful prayer, but really God is like, I just need to hear you. Yeah. 
There's a few things I want to hit on here in Job 1. First, I want to look at verse 11, and I want to compare it to, uh, to something else right after this. Somebody want to read Job 1.11? But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. So that's Satan saying that, yep. trying to uh, tempt God, like, hey, not tempt God, but like challenging him, hey, take away everything he has, and he'll curse it to your face. So that was Satan who said that. Now, somebody want to read Job 2, 2, 5. Job 2, 5. But reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, Satan's saying this to God again. He's saying, first he's saying, take away everything he has, and he'll curse it to your face. Take away his health, and he'll curse it to his face. And then let's look at what Job's wife says just a few verses later in 2, 9. Job 2, 9. Who wants to take that? His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. That's lovely. So, but he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women will speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. I dare you to respond to him. To your person like that. <laughs> How about that? Satan says, let's do this, and I bet he'll curse you God to your face. And, and then Satan's like, and take away his health. He'll definitely curse you to your face, God. And then we have here, Job's wife. The only, his only person left, right? He's got his three friends and his wife. Nothing else. And his own wife says, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Just curse God and die. It's almost like Satan was using his wife. The one thing that Satan didn't take away from him, like, <laughs> I'm going to leave his wife, but I'm going to trick his wife into to trying to do exactly what I want him to do. Let's have his wife say, Job just give up and curse God because this isn't worth it. And Job doesn't fall for it. He says, should we only accept good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? That's crazy. What do you guys think about that? So did his wife not have a relationship with God like at all? We don't really know. You know? The status. That's great. Like, That's a great point. That's crazy. I I have wondered over over the years whether or not that's actually some form of like empathy or compassion that she has for her husband just watching her husband suffer so badly yeah. that she's just saying hey you might as well get let God smite you because it can't get any worse like let's just just end it here and uh, and let it happen yeah. um, but Job holds fast and this is just chapter two yeah. And before even the end of chapter 1, the, the last few uh, sentences in chapter 1, uh, Job one twenty one, Job said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right? That's, that's the chorus of the song that we were singing of our worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. Mm -hmm. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. This was at the end of chapter 1. 
Now let's go a little bit further. I mean, how about this in, in Job 2.13? Job was in such agony. Him and his friends, they sat there on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job because they saw that his suffering was too great for words. How about that? Seven days and nights. I gotta say, those are some spectacular friends at first. Like, at first. Yeah. Seven days. Can you imagine seven minutes of just sitting there? Like, seven minutes, I feel like, is, is pretty doable. Like, you know, like, Job's there. I'm sure he's crying his, his heart out. You know, just wailing. And then probably just for moments just sitting there like... I'm just kind of looking up like... Can't say yeah. for, for seven minutes. It's crazy. For seven minutes, that would be something. But for seven days and nights, just sitting there with his friend who just lost everything. And I like the, the start of, of uh, chapter three. At last, Job spoke. And the first thing he said, curse the day that I was born. Let it be erased. And he's just sitting there for seven days. I'm sure he's just pondering what am I going to say when I finally speak when I'm finally able to speak what will I say not alright guys that was good thanks for being here with me yeah he's like well, I think there's even something to be learned in that response from your friends because I think we as believers we're so quick to offer the Christians like how can I pray like how can I and it's good things how can I pray for you let's pray right now like we want a fast response when we see suffering in our friends and our families. Like we want to offer them something because, you know, we, that's that's just where where our hearts are. Like, what can I tangibly do for you right now to solve this or to, like, how can I? What can I do? You know, that's where we go to immediately, and we want to be quick with our words, and we want, but sometimes, just sitting with that person in, in silence. Like for me, I love words. I like to offer them. I'm like, that's just who I am. And so even for me, reading this is like, no, sometimes you just be quiet and it's okay. And that's what's needed. And that's what the situation calls for. That's what the person that you're trying to minister to needs from you at that moment. Don't offer them words, offer them your presence. And then by your presence, point them back to Christ, point them back to the goodness that is still alive around them. Um, so even in that, I think, I mean, that's something for me to take away. Like, silence is not bad. It's not always bad. It can be a good thing. Um, and it can be even more useful tool in some situations than your words. Yeah, for sure. I'm 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 guilty of that at times of you know someone starts sharing something I'm like oh well you know what about this or how about you do this and sometimes I found myself saying hey do you want advice do you want me to just sit here and listen and you know just just to listen or do you want advice and honestly sometimes that's the best way to respond first of what do you want right. what do you like not like what do you want from me but like. Hey, would you like how me to? Can I best help? Yeah, how can I how can I best help you? Just by listening for you to be able to just vent and and you know process verbally, or do you want a response? So we see that 
Job, he knows the power of God. He's aware. Chapter 9, he, he talks about... Actually, let me just kind of look at chapter 9 for a second. Job says, Without warning, he moves the mountains, overturning them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place, and the foundation trembles. If he commands it, the sun won't rise, and the stars won't shine. He just keeps going on and on and on. He made the stars, the barren Orion, and the constellations of the sky. Job knows that God has the power to do whatever he wants. He, he never questions that God is powerful, that God can do whatever he chooses to do. He just wants to know why. Why do you choose to do these things? If you're good, why are you doing this? And his, his friends are on the line of, God is a just God. You're doing this because you deserved it. God punishes sin and he rewards good. But this isn't, this isn't, God isn't karma. God isn't a God of, you know, what goes around comes around. There is truth in what you reap, you sow. You, you sow, you reap. You know, you, you plant corn, you reap corn, right? In the simplest of ways of getting what you, what you put into it. But, but also, if you reap, if you, if you sow into people and you're giving them, life giving words and you're helping people you're going to receive life giving friendship back and if you're just terrible to people you're going to be treated terrible back but god isn't saying hey if you do this then i'll reward you for it hey if you bow down to me eight times and you say these words seven times and you give me 2.5 sacrifices per day then i will bless you that is not god he doesn't work that way but his friends are saying, God's just, and he's not going to do these things that are unfair, so you must have deserved it. And even in that, it's like, well, unfairness by whose standard? Unfairness by right. our standard? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. by God's standard? Yeah. Because we'd love to be rewarded for every good thing, right? But imagine if we want, if we want it fully, you've got to take it all. Just like Job said, who are we to only accept the good things and not the bad? Mm -hmm. To be like, God, I just served someone today. I just prayed today, God. God, I opened up my Bible and read your word. Do I get a cookie or something? Like, do I, you're going to give me a pat on the back? Am I going to get a raise today because I, I prayed to you three times? Like, I even prayed to you once when I wasn't even eating, God. I deserve something for that. Like, that's not a relationship. That is a reward system. And God is not a reward system. And I think you nailed it last week in saying that uh, if God doesn't want to be found, we have no power to find it. And Job recognizes that. He recognizes that even if he does nothing wrong his entire life, it won't matter because he still has no power and authority over God, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, because God is so much bigger than him. And, then, and we find out later that God is even bigger than Job even thought he was. And he's like, oh, snap, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Um, it's I'm so excited. No, fine. That's great. So imagine, imagine if we got everything we deserve, right? Not the good, but also the bad. God can say, you know, we would hate it because I think we're not speaking for everybody, but 
think we probably do more bad than we realize and we think we're so so good we're like oh man i'm just so great like oh man i'm, I'm just i'm just awesome right like i never do anything bad i'm just so good god could be like hey i know what you were thinking today i know what you're thinking when your boss gave you that extra project i i know what you were thinking spite <laughs> i i saw you you know you didn't you didn't you didn't flip the birds the person who cut you off but i heard you say some words Punishment! I saw you, you know, take that thing that wasn't yours. I saw you look at that person. I saw you, you know, think those thoughts. I, you didn't read my word today. Spite, boom, pow, power, break a leg, twist an arm, ailments on your feet, on your face, and lose your job, and you got a demotion. He doesn't do that. And if he did, he'd be just in doing so. But he's also merciful. And God has that balance of being just and merciful. Where if we were to say, God, why don't you do these things? He could say, because of grace. That's why I don't do those things. Because you'd be punished probably a whole lot more than you'd be rewarded. Mm. You'd be like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I guess I'll take that better another deal. That's good, that's good. I want to read, um, if we go to Job 38. I want to read, I'm not going to read all of the questions from God, but it's pretty powerful. Somebody want to start reading? No specific end point. We'll just go for a little bit and then you can pop corn and someone else can pick up. Yes. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to read the whole thing. It's so Free good. moment right here. Okay. Thir chapter 38. Yep. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed? Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all of this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, and where is the place of darkness, that you may take its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were, you know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. That's very so sarcastic, sarcastic of God. I love it. God, like God being sarcastic. <laughs> have you entered the houses? 
Have you entered the storehouses of the snow, or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where, light, where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man? To satisfy the waste and desolate land, and to make the ground sprout with grass? Has the rain a father, has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew? For, from the ooze, blah, 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 blah. from whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? That's good. <laughs> oh man, I just love it so much. I know, it, it is really good. Pleiades, Orion, uh, and Bear. We know, those. That's three out of four, we know what those constellations are. These are the same freaking stars we see at night. How awesome is that? <laughs> this is this is the oldest chronological book written that we have a manuscript of. It's the oldest recorded book of scripture. We don't know exactly when Job takes place, but like we we know the stars that Job was looking at, and God was bringing these constellations and saying, "Hey, you know those stars? Do you have any authority over them? Can you tell them where to go? Like get wrecked, fam!" And the fact <laughs> that we look at the same stars at night and we don't recognize or grasp the power that God has, and the the goodness of God, to your point, that we don't get smited, sm smitten, no, I'm just kidding, um, no, smited, uh, so we, thank, thank you, uh, she said it like six times, I just didn't listen to her, but the fact, the fact that we don't, the fact that we don't recognize it, like, at being, uh, much less righteous than Job myself, like, having, this just this just helps me recognize so much uh, every time that I, I read through it and I get so excited and passionate about it because it's so cool. It's just so cool that we see the same stars that Job did and we we can still have the same struggle of grasping the bigness of God. Here I go. <laughs> That's great. I man. could go for forever on this. That's book. awesome. I really could. This this song is called "Where Were You?" And today is a bonus day. You got two videos in one day. Um, it's called "Where Were You?" It is asking these exact questions. The song is amazing and it's powerful. And to to hear Job's response at the end is really cool too. Um, I don't know that this is the correct version. It is. Okay. He knows. Okay, yeah, it's okay. There's something. Oh, sorry. I said, God, I do not understand this world. Everything is dying and broken. Why do I see nothing but suffering? 
God, I'm asking, could this be your plan? Sin has taken hold of this whole land. Will you not say anything else to me? He said, where were you the day that I measured? Sunk the babes and stretched the line over all the earth and carved out its cornerstone. Where were you the day that I spoke and told the sun to split the night open? from Job of I can't answer these questions if I were to go through and me personally to answer every single one of the questions I think it would be like I wasn't there <laughs> you did you did you did you did no I can't no I can't no I'm not able to no I can't 
you were, you did, you did, I can't, I can't, you did, you did, you can, you can, I can't, I can't, you can, you can, I can't, I can't, you were, you were, I was not, I was not, you were, you were, I was not, I was not, yes, you, yes, you, not me, not me. And it's just really humbling and really puts in perspective. God, why did this happen? Oh, yeah. I don't have all the answers to why everything else happens. I don't have the answers of how you operate, God, because you're a whole lot bigger than me. It's not the answer we want, but it puts the it, it directs us to the one that we can trust. This whole book of Job is basically asking the question. The question isn't really, God, why do you let these things happen? It's really Will Job's experience triumph over his theology, or his theology triumph over his experience? And it's the same for us as we go about day to day. Will what we experience triumph over what we believe, or will what we believe triumph over what we experience? And we have a lot more than what Job had. Job didn't have the Bible. Job didn't have the Holy Spirit. Right? Job didn't have this promise. He didn't have Jesus. We've got all these things that Job didn't have. We even have the story of Job that Job didn't even have fully. And we can take all this and learn from it of, I don't have the answers, but I know the one who does. I don't know why I'm going through these things, but I know the one who does know why. trusted God in the midst of all of it. It comes for us, for me, it comes down to an issue of trust. God, do I trust you when my family member gets sick? God, do I trust you and in, in who you are when my parents get divorced, even though I've been praying for the last two years that they wouldn't because you want a happy family? Do I trust you when my dad's in Iraq? Do I trust you when I fail out of field training and the plan that I thought that you had for my life doesn't work? Do I trust you when I owe $30,000 in debt? How am I going to pay that? Do I trust you? Do I trust you? If the answer is yes, God, I trust you because I know you and because you're a good God, because I'm talking with you, I'm walking with you, I'm believing in you and my hope is in you, then I don't need to know why my parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. I can know the answers that you have given me. God, I've learned patience in a way that I wouldn't have learned before. I've learned how to love. I've learned how to see the differences. I've learned how to be a bridge. I've learned how to have peace, not because of what's going around me, but because of the peace that you provide me, because of who you are and who you are in me. I know you. I have known you. I have trusted you. My hope is in you. It's not in my circumstances. It's not in what does or doesn't happen for me. It's in you. That's what it, that's all of it. That's what it comes down to. That's awesome.
And then what happens at the end of Job? Anybody recall? Someone besides that? <laughs> I know you know. Anybody know what happens at the end of Job? It just ends, doesn't it? It just ends? He gets blessed. He gets blessed. Yeah. Or doubled. Twofold, yeah. Twofold. He gets blessed twofold. He had 7,000 sheep before. Now he has 14,000. He had 3,000 camels before, now he has 6,000. He had 500 teams of oxen, now he has 1,000. He had 500 female donkeys, now he has 1,000. He had seven sons and three daughters before, now he has seven sons and three daughters. Still doubled? Yes, that's true. It's still doubled because mm -hmm. the other ones died. They're not not his kids anymore, they're just dead kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, jeez. I'm just saying the way it is. No, okay? it's true. that's true. No, but I actually looked. I actually looked at that and was like, "Wait a second, the kids are the same number, but he didn't lose them. They're still his mm -hmm. kids. Yeah. So by the end of it, he still had twice as many. He got that same amount again. So what's our takeaway from this? We can question God. God, where are you? And be close to cursing him to his face, and then repent." And God will give us double, right? That's all we got to do. Just just repent. Say, sorry, God. Now, give me twice as much. Magical <laughs> formula. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the takeaway from Job of do whatever you want, repent, and then God will give you twice as much. Because if, if it was, well, then, you know, we'd all have a lot more. We can just do this formula and take advantage of God because we got God beat, right? That's not. That's not the secret formula. That's not the, the story. That's not the lesson to learn from Job of, hey, just, you know, question God, wait for his response, and then get twice as much. That's not the response. What is the response? What's the takeaway here? You're not in charge. Trust in me. I'm in charge. And there are plenty of people in the Bible who did not get the same result as Job, right? There's not other stories. There's not, oh, yeah, this person, you know, John the Baptist, right? You know, he just, you know, kept baptizing, and then he was arrested, and then God sent a heavenly army to to escape, to break him out of prison. Nope, he was beheaded. Right? Plenty of... Martyrs, plenty of people dying for the cause. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be like, God, why am I in prison? This person you let out of prison. Why don't you let me out of prison? I did the same thing he did. We were doing this together. We were in the same cell. He got released and I'm still here. God, hello, did you forget about me? No, I have a plan for you. I had a plan for him. I have a plan for you. I've got a plan for both of you. I didn't forget you. Not always easy. But if we know who we're trusting... It makes it easier. Yeah. Can I move over a couple details? Just I know it's shocking to hear that. Go for it. Over some details, but like, the, there are a few things that make this super interesting to me about the just the very last chapter. So Job repents and he says, he says, I, I uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Um, and, he, and he continues on with his, his repentance. Here's what's really interesting. Verse 7 of chapter 42. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to, Eli 
Eliphaz, however you say his name, I never get these names right, Uh, the Temanite, my anger burns against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Okay, so Job still didn't say anything wrong. Now therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have spoken, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So like, their redemption is entirely based on Job's prayer on their behalf, mm-hmm. which is just crazy to think about. You're like, wow, intercessory thing was a thing then. And, and the, um, it's just crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's super interesting to me is this is the only book of the Bible that this happens in. Um, he says in verse 13, He had also seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first daughter Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karenhapuk. And in all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days. What are the sons' names? They only named the daughters. Only the daughters' <laughs> names are mentioned. <laughs> Bruh, in Genesis, it, it goes into excruciating detail. And then Leah prayed to God, for my womb has been closed, like open my womb again. And then Rachel, and then oh, there, there are two servants, and the whole thing is going back and forth and back and forth. And then sometime later they had a daughter named Dinah. And then they had another kid, another son, and whatever. And it goes into such detail, and then it mentions like Dinah as like an offhand comment. And they probably had many more daughters. Dinah was only mentioned because later she becomes relevant to the story. Yeah. So like... It's just so interesting to me that in this one, it's like it's like had three beautiful daughters. Here were their names, and he had some sons too. And, uh, <laughs> it's just such a it's such a twist from what we would normally see. Yeah, and it's that's just true. another reason that this book is just <laughs> this book in general. The sixty six books that are in it really? is so cool. Yeah. That's true. That's a good observation. So, yes, you can. Concept of reward and things like that brought to mind two verses. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And then Matthew 7.11 says, If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? And it reminds me of that meme or picture or whatever where the little girl brings her she's holding out her small teddy bear right mm-hmm. and to Jesus and Jesus is asking her for it and she doesn't want to give it because it's it's hers right it's close and behind his back he holds like one ten times bigger and he's like just give it to me I have something better right I have a good and perfect gift that is bigger that is better that's going to serve you and comfort you and be everything that you think that you've put into this small gift, but I have something. I have more for you. Just ask me for it. Trust that I'm going to give it. And that's like, with this, we, we don't necessarily pray with the expectancy of like, God reward me for all the good things that I'm doing. We, we were like, God, like, I, I know that 
you are a God who wants to bless me. I know that your favor wants to be on me. I want to be in your presence. I want to receive good gifts from you. And I'm going to trust you through it. I'm going to give you these small things, even though I don't understand what's happening. I'm going to give you what I what I can because I want, and I'm trusting that you're going to multiply it. I'm trusting you're going to do something with it, that it's going to go further than what I can do with the the pieces that you've given me, you, the picture is you. Like you can be glorified. Mm -hmm. You can get more glory with whatever you are going to give me. So knowing that he wants to give you good gifts and trusting him for it makes that process of like, God, then let me obey you. Let me give you these small things mm -hmm. and let me see your glory be multiplied further in my life because I've decided to give you what I have. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not a tangible result, right? Sometimes we never, we don't, we don't see the blessings that we we get from giving God mm. what we have, right? Because uh, maybe our reward is in heaven, right? Mm. Or, or maybe uh, our reward is actually the fact that we got to do the will of God that He's called us to do, right? Like that's a whole thing too. So it's not necessarily a tangible right. result, like Job's was in his example. Um, I mean, if you're Job, I mean, you still lost 10 kids. Like, yeah. it's it wasn't a, a net, it was, I suppose you could consider it a net gain, but it, it's it's not transactional like that, right? There's there's life here, and there's there's feelings and emotions and, yeah. and real things happening. And I just, yeah, the, the important thing is to remember to trust in God, trust what he has for you, um, regardless of whether or not it feels good. Um, or looks good uh, or anything and you never know what his plans are and you can continue to ask questions and walk with him he will walk with you um, but in times of silence default to obedience yeah cool yeah go for it yeah okay um, I just wanna if I may go for it let's go deeper I'll be quick. <laughs> um, I love the book of Job. It's so, so far ahead of its time. Um, a lot of people, <laughs> okay, we know why bad things happen to good people. We know why good things happen to bad people. Why good things happen to good people and why bad things happen to bad people, right? We know the reason why, like, all of these, like, okay. If you're on an airplane and it's, it's a, a beautiful, like, like state-of-the-art like top-of-the-line airplane and everybody's on it everybody's happy and you're on it going to your destination and then somewhere along the line you hit some turbulence and the airplane flips upside down and it's chaotic and like all these good people on the airplane are now dying bleeding hurting whatever you don't say like there's no reason for this you say somewhere along the way something went terribly wrong and that thing was sin I mean, we know that, like from the, where, when God asks them in the garden, where are you? Mm -hmm. He's bringing their attention to the state of their heart, to the state of their condition. Where are you? You're in sin now. And therefore you cannot be with me anymore. So then they died spiritually. But, back to Job. <laughs> I love, I love when God is like, where were you? I did this. I, I have protected you thus far. Um, and... A lot of a lot of people today will say um, that, like, 
if if bad things happen to you, then then it must mean that you're not within the will of God, or like it's not God's will that bad things happen to you. But that's not true at all. Um, it I I love Job because it <laughs> the New Testament um, it doesn't speak of it, but it's like everything you can find in Job, everything you can find in Genesis. But uh, Satan says, I, Jesus says, Satan seeks to sift you like wheat, right? That's what he does with Job. God says, um, God asks, what are you doing here? And Satan says, I'm here to, I've gone throughout the whole earth. And then God is like, sift Job. Um, so, um, So the reason that a lot of believers go through suffering is literally to strengthen our faith. In Acts 14, 22, it says, um, it says that the disciples are strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. It is literally like, um, it, it, like tribulations, like trials, sanctify us. They increase our faith. And like we know as believers, our goal is heaven. Our future, our portion is heaven. It's not anything on this earth. It's not double the children. It's not double the whatever. It's Jesus Christ himself. And we'll get there when we die or when he comes back for us. Whichever comes first. I'm preferable to just coming back for us, but it's not up to me. Um, so our... And in heaven, our currency is faith. We buy and sell by faith. So um, the thing that I love most about Job is that we see what great faith looks like. Um, I, w I learned a while ago that the difference between great faith and little faith is little faith considers the circumstances, and great faith only considers what God has said. Um, Peter, when he asks Jesus to pull him out on the water, he says, he looks down and he sees the water. And all of a sudden, oh, if I don't stay atop this water, I'm going to drown. And he starts questioning. He starts doubting. Because his circumstances say, if God can't hold you up right now, you're dead. But um, Abraham said, it doesn't matter that my body's failing. It doesn't matter that my wife is barren. It doesn't matter that I, I have yet to see this promise that the Lord will give me. But I know that he'll give it. He doesn't consider anything except that God has made the promise. And our promise is that we will be with him one day. So this, everything that we see in Job, literally, I mean, we've all gone through trials, I hope. If you're not going through trials, you're on the wrong path. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> because the enemy, we do have an enemy, and he does come to sift us like we. It says that um, he, he comes to deceive, even if possible, the elect. Um, and those are the people within the church. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's like people you grew up with, people who love the Lord, and then all of a sudden something changes and they are walking according to their own ways now. Um, that's the enemy, right? He comes to blind us and deceive us into doing whatever it is that we want. Um, but my man Job, <laughs> my man Job, he, just like Zach, he never changed. Um, he held fast to his integrity. And through all of that, his faith. Um, so I just love, I love this, this topic. Um, and hearing from God, like, 
uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. Jackie. Jackie, just like you said earlier, like, Job knew God, he walked with God. How can we even hear the voice of God if we don't know what God sounds like? Um, and, you know, that comes literally just just being, dwelling in the presence of God. Um, like, Job constantly made sacrifices to the Lord. He constantly sought out to be with the Lord. Um, and I just love, I just love that. So Awesome. Faith is literally the key to everything, and Joe is it, y'all. <laughs> cool. Thank Thanks you. for sharing that. That's awesome. Thanks for letting me talk. No one new here. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is anyone opposed to if we don't split off tonight? Is anyone? That is totally fine. I'm opposed. I'm opposed to it. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. okay. I, I know. I know the discussion, Joe, is a lot, and it was, I think, a bit. Um, What's the word? Ambitious. Yes, exactly. A bit ambitious to try to unravel Job in one day. And by all means, we did not unravel at all. Um, I know it was a little less as far as digging into scripture as we usually do. um, And just kind of looking at it as a whole. But um, I've really enjoyed this conversation, this discussion. It's been great. And I, I think, you know, all everything what everyone's been saying is exactly on the mark of, you know, it's about faith, not about knowing and it's about who your faith is in not why is he doing it you look like you're about to say something else maybe okay did anybody have any final final thoughts before we close out are we cool with like a short like (laughs) recess of like guys and girls uh we can okay We we can split we can maybe do like a brief can we do like a brief split Okay, brief. cool. We can do that. Alright, All right, well I'm going to close this out and then we'll split for, for a brief session. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being able to get together tonight and just hang out. Thank you for being able to study your word this past year. Just looking back and reflecting on going through John together. Going through every chapter, zooming in approach and just digging into what you have to say and, and looking at, at what's going on behind the text. God, I'm so grateful for this group. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to, um, to to meet up with these people every week and be able to lead discussions and to dig into your word, to, to be in a place where we can have access to you 24-7, 365, and to be able to just talk with you right now, just in the middle of the living room, just to be able to talk to the creator of the one who who put the cords of Orion together, the one who laid the foundations of the earth, the one who told the seas where to stop, the one who tells every strike of lightning to strike exactly where it does. And we get to talk to that one right now. It's just mind-blowing. God, help us remember the story of Job and help us to remember to put this in perspective when we question you, when we question why things are happening and what's going on in our lives and those around us and in this crazy world that we live in. Help us to remember who you are and who we are in you to not have to have the answers of why it's happening but to know who is in control God you are so good sometimes I find that's all I can say you are just so good thank you for your love for us when we don't deserve it and thank you for your grace and your mercy and and just pray for an awesome 2023. 
I look forward to all that you're going to do in this group through us all, not just on Monday nights, but all the other days of the week as well, uh, for us to be a light in this world. Um, I pray that every single person here, anyone who's ever come, and those around us are all able to continue to be a light in this world because it needs it. It needs you. Help us to bring you, to bring your kingdom on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time in God's premises with us. I hope you've enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.